dear chief, much has happened since we last spoke. Welcome to Dear Chief Podcast, where your hosts and their guests share the 411 of being married to the people who respond to 911s. Take a peek into fire family life and get unabashed advice on how to prevent forest fires in your marriage. Now, here's your hosts, two seasoned firewives, Audra and Chelsea. Hey all, we are back with some serious but also exciting stuff today. We're going to sit down and chat with a friend of mine, Ashley Bowden. Hey Ashley, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thanks for having me. Okay, Ashley is a self-sabotage and slow business coach helping people create supportive lives and businesses. Ashley endeavors to help people shift from the harshness and hurry of self-sabotage, one-size-fits-all businesses and self-bypassing that is all too common in our modern world. She wants to help you connect, trust, and lead yourself to help you discover who you truly are underneath it all. She offers supportive and gentle and honest conversation to give the room and resources to create an inner dialogue and an outer expression that is so deeply supportive so the world will know your magic. That sounds lovely. It is, it's really fun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it it seems like it might be really fun I think that that sounds freaking awesome um so with that we're very excited to talk with you today um and we're just gonna see how the conversation unfolds but first we want to hear who is Ashley Bowden and what journey has she been on so far okay wow that's quite the question <laughs> I, uh, so I'm Ashley and well, how my life looks right now is that I mostly work with people who feel stuck in self-sabotage and want to get out, want to transform their relationship with themselves. Uh, and I do a bunch of work too around how to make your work life and business feel supportive. Uh, I've been doing coaching and, and leading communities for the last several years and have really known the, I guess, range of entrepreneurship. Um, But how I got here was I was someone who really grew up in an experience of feeling incredibly creative, but also carrying a lot of pain and um, self-hatred and very much like in a response to some of the experiences that I had growing up and it wasn't until I was in my uh, mid-20s that I realized like I didn't actually know how to love myself I didn't know how to care for myself and and I was sort of like in a loop stuck in a lot of different self-sabotaging uh, patterns and so I really began the work of restoring and rebuilding a relationship with myself, learning how to love and care and meet myself with compassion. And then also how to shift a lot of those self-sabotaging patterns that were really fighting to keep me safe. And so uh, that's kind of what led me really into this work and and I love it so much. Uh, And yeah, it's a little bit of me. 
Okay. So rewind. What were you doing before this? Because that's how I met you. <laughs> oh yeah. In fire, in, um, in the perfect boss. Yes. Yeah. So before this, I ran a community. So that was one of the communities I ran called the imperfect boss and the imperfect boss was all about sort of highlighting the more imperfect side of running a business. And it was sort of built out of this, like, wow, like Instagram's so curated. And when I started the imperfect boss, Instagram was a different world. Uh, I feel like it, you know, it, it's crazy to think, but when I started the imperfect boss, like Instagram stories didn't exist. And so it was a lot of like flat lays, <laughs> so many flat lays. Uh, <laughs> and so I really just wanted to show the more human side of running a business. And I'm actually really grateful for some of, of how the platform has changed, which has allowed to really show the more human side um, of social media. Yeah. And we, uh, we worked together on a campaign called the imperfect woman, which was freaking awesome. Um, yeah, it was just all about how we're not, we're not perfect people. Like Instagram tells us this lie that everybody has this perfect little life and this perfect little, you know, business or whatever. And we really don't see much of the real side of things. It's a snapshot of a person's life. And so the imperfect woman was all about, our flaws and how to celebrate those because we're not perfect clearly. (laughs) Um, So I think for us, it's really easy as a firewife to sit and compare ourselves to other, Mm -hmm. other firewives that appear to either have it all together or, or have been doing it longer, or I'm comparing my chapter 13 to their chapter one. And I want to talk about the comparison game and how harmful it is and how we can transcend it as, as people, as imperfect women. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what would you, how let's, well, let's just get this conversation started. How would you describe the comparison game that happens? Mm -hmm. Hmm. I think that, on and off social media. It doesn't have to necessarily yeah. be a firewife, but for us, we're firewives. So that's right. Yeah. yeah. It's personal to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff out there of like, you know, comparing your highlight reel, like someone's highlight reel to your BTS documentary. <laughs> but uh, I think, think really looking at comparison as a way to I actually think comparison could be a way to like self-soothe ourselves uh, when we are not when like when we don't feel good enough or when we don't feel like uh, we don't feel like we have it together that comparison almost becomes this year of where we're feeling you know insecure where we're feeling overwhelmed and then we sort of use it as a way to soothe the parts of us that feel like I'm not good enough here. And so I'm going to compare myself to someone else. Like I would say, in my opinion, it is a result of some of the systems in place, like social media, some of the ways women are pitted against each other, for example. Um, But I think it secondarily can also really be a way that we can soothe ourselves in the feeling of like, I'm not good enough. Interesting. 
Can you? So now I'm stumped. What's my question? <laughs> Not just laughing at me. <laughs> I'm laughing on mute. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as a self-soothing, do you think it's like, I'm not good enough in this space, so I'm going to go look at someone else and say they don't have it all together either? Or do you think it's yeah. just an outward, how do you? Yeah. I think like, if we don't feel good enough, but we don't want to face the feeling of not enoughness within us, we will hyper-focus on someone else and create that comparison dynamic to soothe that part of feeling good enough without Abby having to actually really face it and really come to terms with it of like I yeah I don't feel like I'm enough here and, and she is so much more enough or she is it so much more altogether um and I think because I think to be honest like I think it's it's hard it's painful it's overwhelming to sit with the idea that we feel even imperfect uh, you know, so often imperfection is seen as it's become almost somewhat internalized from a young age of like, it's bad to be imperfect. If you're imperfect, you'll, you won't belong. You'll be rejected. So to sit with that and be like, I don't feel good enough. I don't feel like, I feel like I'm imperfect in all these ways that can be incredibly uncomfortable. And so it comparison becomes like this more comfortable space of being like, well, I'll just hyper-focus on this other person and focus on the distance between us then actually sit with the feeling that I feel like I'm not good enough. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, what do you think of the influencer realm now on, I think on Instagram, especially um, because I know for me personally, I've found myself um, really deleting a lot of influencers lately because of that what we were what you were just saying that um you know I I know I'm imperfect I don't have a problem with that I think I'm pretty comfortable in my in my imperfections and I don't for the most part on my personal Instagram page I'm very well I've become very private about what I share um mostly because I don't want people to think that I'm perfect. So I don't always share the great pictures and the filtered images. Um, I've gone really kind of the opposite and not, you know, I don't use filters anymore. I don't care what my face looks like. This is what I was born with. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to throw a, you know, makeup filter on or whatnot, but um with the influencers, I kind of found myself, like you're saying, getting sucked into their world and just thinking, oh my God, why can't I be like them? And then I was like, wait a minute, I don't want to be like them because the more you kind of dive into it, you realize that they're probably not as happy as they appear online. And yeah. there was, I'll just say, without saying too much, I think there was one person in particular who happens to be a firewife, not in our state that I followed. Um, and I had kind of been really sucked into this like life story of her. And, um, you know, she had this great husband and all these, you know, super cute kids and look at all this great stuff. And, 
you know, making so much money and this and that, selling all this stuff online. And I was like, finding myself buying her stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, what the hell am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) I do not need this face like mask and I don't need all this stuff. And, um, you know, it was one of those things where you're like, oh, I want to be like this person because they look so happy. And if I buy what they're selling, maybe I can be as happy as them. Well, fast forward a couple more months, you come to find out that, um, you know, maybe this person is not as happy as they claim to be. And um, it really caused me to kind of look inward and just go, no, I don't need that in my life. No, I don't, I don't, um, I I don't trust (laughs) that kind of thing. So what do you think about the influencers playing a I think specifically to women on Instagram. What do you think of that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, it feels like such a, a weird and unexplored dynamic. Like, I feel like we won't totally know the impact of like social media and, and even this, the structure or the setup of influencing um, for a long time and, and the impact that that's had on mental health, the impact that that's had on finances, et cetera. I think what you shared there's really important about like really noticing what am I buying into here? And have I become swept up in a story that's being presented uh, and how does that feel for me? Like, does that feel good? Does that feel supportive? Because uh, I think that there's some influencers out there that that we can really learn a lot from. Um, but I think it all just, you have to just go back to that personal space of like, how does this align with me? And am I being swept up in something that's causing me to disconnect from what I value and what matters to me in order to be swept up in this story? Um, and even like as as like a micro influencer or whatever, I also know it from that side of like, you know, there can be a lot of pressure, right? There can be a lot of pressure to keep keep it up or there can be a lot of pressure or isolation even. Um, like what do people, I, I know that for sure there's a lot of insecurity that can go on for influencers of like, what if people don't love me as much in person as they do online? Or what if they're disappointed by who I actually am? And this pressure, I think, to to keep up these facades and to keep up the appearance, both for the person observing and the person behind the account is an incredibly, is incredibly impactful to mental health. Uh, because anytime that we have to disconnect from our authenticity in order to be successful or to sell or to feel like we can belong or that we can be successful is going to going to really have that impact um on our mental health and so i would say i would probably say it more from some of those observations yeah i know i mean even chelsea and i feel we've we've felt that way about just dear chiefs on our Instagram page feeling like, Oh, we have to post to meet the algorithm. Oh, we have to do this, this. And then we were like, you know what? This is not natural to us. This doesn't work for us. So we'll post when we feel like it. Um, and you know, we post our, obviously our Wednesday, um, newest podcast, but for the rest of the time, it's like, no, we're going to do this naturally. We're not going to force it. We're not going to be sucked into the algorithm. Um, that just doesn't work for us and, and it's fine. And, you know, it is what it is. And I think 
I feel um, bad for some of the, in particular, I really noticed the women and maybe this just because I'm a woman and I kind of hone in on that. I feel bad for the women who it almost, you can tell it feels forced. Like it's, it's forced mm. that they post every day or that they, you know, maintain this, this image. And it's like, I, I don't have time for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Chelsea yeah. doesn't have time for that, you know, like, so I think I can't imagine our kids kind of dealing with this on the daily basis too. Well, I can't imagine because I have, you know, four of them that, that deal with, you know, the influencer life and the streamers and want to be all, you know, want to be like them and do all the things. So um, it's really, really interesting to me that Instagram has, is definitely good and bad for sure. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very, yeah. Social media is just a trip sometimes. Right, Chelsea? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. My business kind of depends on social media, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna harp on it. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say well, I've had social media work for me. Puppy. Well, you made um, it work for you, but you also don't post. You only post naturally and authentic. No, I, I have. I, I, I there. Here's a little behind the scenes for you. I don't post naturally. I have it scheduled. It's. I sit and work. That's part of the work that I do. So I, mm-hmm. I mean, I write naturally because that's, right. I'm a writer, mm-hmm. but I also have a schedule that I, I keep too. And I, I think that's, it's just part of office hours yeah. <laughs> for me. Yeah. yeah. I think when you're in a business, like you are, it's kind of different because you have to schedule it. It's like you're marketing essentially. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I honestly, like for my business, I, I gain 90% of my clients from Instagram. Yeah. yeah so, so that's funny. And I think I know my real estate friend has that same, um, she has the same thing. She gets so many referrals and stuff from, yeah, from Instagram. I, I don't. I think, I think the moral of the story is you can make Instagram work for you and yes. you don't have to have anything in your feed that doesn't make you feel good about yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's the moral of that story. Um, (laughs) Ashley, what would you say? Like, how do you recommend people check in with themselves to see what, if what they're looking at online is really hurting them or helping them? How do you, like, what would you tell, you know, what would you tell me if I was, if I was your client um, or, you know, just the person asking. (laughs) Yeah, that that too. Um, so I would probably get you to, um, like when you're thinking about like checking in and seeing how something is, is the, is this actually sportive or is this not one of the key ways that I have found is does this like noticing the response that happens within you does like looking at this content want you to, uh, grow and learn and open up or does it want you to shut down, hide, uh, does it want you to prove uh, yourself? Does it want you to earn almost this person's um, affection or, or like you have to do something or be something else to belong? Um, but the key for me is like, does it cause me to 
want to lean in, grow, learn? Um, do I feel like this sense of like opening versus like this sense of like I'm closing in on myself in order to consume this content? Uh, and that can be applied to many other things, like even when you're if you're looking at things like is this habit self-supportive? Is this relationship supportive? Um, because things can be challenging, they can be uncomfortable, but if they're causing you to shut down and go into more of like, I just need to survive, or I just need to fight my way through this, then I would say that it's probably not a supportive space. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so tell me, um, what would you tell a busy family with kids, fire family with kids, um, about how to slow down and support themselves and each other during a crazy time like fire season right now, yeah. when one spouse is out of the house for a long time, um, how do you hold space for yourself while you're taking care of your family at home and not worrying too much about your firefighter who's out on the line or your first responder who's out on the line? Yeah, I think when you're in a place where you're super overwhelmed, super busy, you got tons of stuff going on, and but you still need to find those moments of slowness and support, realizing and recognizing like this is not a season of life where everything about my life is going to be slow and supportive, uh, and finding out, finding little spaces where it can be. And so, for example, like if you're like, I don't know, say you're like super busy all day, can you find like five minutes even in the evening, even like when you're washing your face or brushing your teeth, where you can just embrace a sense of slowness and support for yourself as you're closing your eyes to go to sleep, as, but right before you get up out of bed in the morning and, uh, you know, hiding in the bathroom for five minutes to find that sense of care. Uh, and I always like to keep in my mind, like, um, you know, around five to 10 things that I can do that are supportive, that take very little amount of time, energy, and focus. Um, and so, you know, that could be something simple, like I I have this weird one. It doesn't work for everyone, but it's if I rub the inside of my wrist with my other hand, um, I just find it so soothing, so comforting. And I can literally do that. I could do that the entire time I'm talking to you on this podcast, it doesn't take any energy or focus. Uh, finding little things like that, whether it's in, you know, a cup of tea or, um, you know, feeling like splashing cold water on your face or um, an affirmation that you can repeat throughout the day that that is genuinely supportive to you and not like just ni- a nice word to say. Uh, yeah, finding those little things and seeing how can you sprinkle those throughout the day or how can you carve out these small spaces where you can really embrace slowness and support if it's before bed or when you wake up or uh, as you're washing your face or something like that. How do you think we self-sabotage ourselves in those times? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for someone, if someone's really stuck in self-sabotage, so when I talk about self-sabotage, I often refer to it as like self-safety. So we use self-sabotage to stay safe. And self-sabotage can show up in a lot of different ways. Like it can show up um, like it's perfectionism or procrastination or overthinking. I have uh, eight types that I've sort of outlined that seem to come up the most for people. But 
when you're in that place self-sabotage, you're in a place of like, I need to feel safe and I'm surviving. And so it can be actually really hard for someone if they're really self-sabotaging, if you're like, oh, like take good care of yourself today. It can be really hard for that person because they're like, I don't have time for that. Like I'm just trying to stay safe. I'm just trying to survive. Which is why I think it's so important to start to look at some of those patterns and see how you want to shift them. Because if you are really craving more support, if you're craving more self-care, for example, more time for yourself, you're going to need to look at those patterns because those patterns will always find a way to dominate the conversation in your mind and in your life. So like, let's say, for example, like you were like, I'm going to carve out like 10 minutes at night before I go to sleep just to do something that feels good, do something that feels loving for myself. Self-sabotage could be like, listen, if we don't have an hour, we're not doing it at all. Or it could be like, today was rough. I don't want to think about anything. I'm just going to sleep. Uh, It could be like, I have to do all these things for work or I I have to do all these things that I have already committed to. I don't have time for this or, um, could, could instead become super focused on like, where are my kids? How are my kids? How's my husband? How's my partner? Um, all of those things that sort of just bring you away from that care, but realizing that why that's happening is because you're fighting for safety. You're fighting for, for survival because of something. And that could be literally a situation you're going through right now. It could just be a situation is reminding you of something you could be or you could just be experiencing more vulnerability. Like, um, for example, like, I don't know if you're putting yourself out there in a new way, if you are facing something difficult from the past, if you are leaning into more creativity, if you're trying to make new friends or start a new relationship, all those things are going to bring up feelings of vulnerability. And that's like prime ground for the self-sabotage to come in and say like, you're feeling vulnerable, like I'll make sure that you're okay and that you're safe. And so even though there's part of you that's like, let's do this, like let's carve out this time to slow down and care for myself, there's a vulnerability there uh, and self-sabotage will work to to sort of keep you from that. So I took five minutes to take your test this morning on your website (laughs) and I am the procrastinator. Perfect. It's like 1000% accurate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the procrastinator since I'm here. <laughs> well, do you, re- do you resonate with that feeling of there needs to be chaos for you to feel safe? Oh, wow. I don't know. Audra, do you think that I resonate with there needs to be chaos? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> this this podcast was born out of chaos. Okay. We started a podcast in the middle of a pandemic when we had our firefighters out on the line and we were distance learning our kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just a little bit of chaos. So Maybe why don't we just, and I'm trying to like still hold my business together. And so Audra has her business too. And so let's just pile. Why not? It's already chaotic enough. Let's just add another thing onto it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you <Yeah>. think so? <laughs> Yeah, we're normally when someone's like in that procrastinating zone, normally, because what I say to you is that self sabotaging habits normally start a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're normally formed out of 
usually out of childhood experiences, but I think it can also, you know, into teenage adolescence. Um, and so normally someone who struggles with procrastination, they grew up in, they either grew up in an environment that was so chaotic or they grew up in a home that was the opposite and they like crave that sense of chaos or even excitement of like my life like it feels so boring or there's so many rules here and I just like need to break free and I need to feel the sense of excitement uh do any do either of those resonate with you oh yeah I had a very um my mom was a single mom so she had to have routine she had to have yeah you know she couldn't have chaos going on in her life it just she would have wouldn't have survived that yeah. and so that was really my life. It was, it was pretty, you know, you go to school, you come home, you go, you know, do the things and that's it. There wasn't really, there was fun, but it wasn't like excitement all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, and I, and I'm a creative, I always have been. And so I think for me, like my mind is always racing like 9,000 miles per minute, Mm -hmm. figuring out the next thing that I'm going to do or the next creative space that I can be in. And so to live in that kind of an environment. Not that it was a bad thing. My mom did what she could. She was yeah. doing the best she could. Um, sure. I think it just created that in me, that, that, that sense of procrastination. And I've always done better under pressure. Like it's just the way it is. So when yeah. I read that this morning, I went, Oh, well, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because the procrastinator is the one that I find people most. Cause one of the things I've noticed is that sometimes people, will sort of claim self-sabotage as part of their personality and procrastination is like one of the most common so I think people will say like well what you just said people will say this is just how I work like I just, no, I, just work. I don't think it, no I don't think I work that way it's like I don't think it's a yeah. good thing that I work that way I yeah, think yeah yeah it's just how how it is like no, for I, sure. I have to physically and mentally be like, okay, we can't put this off. Here's the deadline yeah, to yeah. get it done a week before the deadline. Or, you know, like I have to push yeah. myself because I know that I'll fall back into that pattern of, oh, let's do it last minute. <laughs> and I mean, that makes sense too, right? Like when you've been in a pattern that long, it makes sense that that's just how. That's how you are. It's your pattern. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Um, the interesting one too about procrastination, I think is like, that it can start to have a real toll on physical health and, you know, always searching that level of adrenaline and some of how that affects the nervous system and exhaustion and even burnout. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's interesting because I've noticed that procrastination um, will often pair sometimes with overworking and cause you know, overworking can sort of give well, I mean, one way they pair together because you, you're overworking, you procrastinate, so now you have to overwork. Um, but overworking can also give a jolt, in a weird way, can give a jolt of energy to the procrastination that has been, that has depleted um, and sort of drains some of your energy. So it's always, it's fascinating to me, like not only all the types, but how all the types can interact uh, and the impact that they can have on us in not just like a behavioral way, but the impact they can have on us physically, physically. emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. I have to, um, set because, because I work mostly online and I'm not in the field as like, okay, you do a photo shoot, right? That's like an hour and a half of your day. The rest of the time you're spending editing, you know, managing your business, doing all the things we're talking about imperfect bosses just like a few minutes ago. Um, 
it really like, oh, this is glamorous, right? I'm traveling. I'm doing all the things. I'm taking photos of beautiful couples. But no, really, what's really happening is I'm the CEO, CFO, all the things that go yeah. into a business. Um, and so I have to really be diligent about setting office hours. I work eight hours, nine to five. That's it. Like I don't, outside of that five o'clock, the computer is off. It's put away um, because if I... For a while, for a, for a long time, actually, I was like that. I was working on nonstop all the time, um, and yeah. so finally, this last two years, I outsourced some things. I've, you know, said these are my strict office hours. I don't feel bad when I'm like, okay, I'm taking a day off during the week. You know, putting the computer completely away. We're going somewhere. You know, yeah. um, I just recently went to a memorial that was four hours from here, and I didn't even take my laptop with me during the week. So that's an, a, a, a vast improvement from where I came from, yeah. but, but I do, I resonate with that quite significantly because it is, it's like you're overworking because you're procrastinating and then you're procrastinating and overworking. And it's just, just this cycle that happens, right? Yeah, it really does become a cycle. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So um, I would encourage our listeners to go take that test on Ashley's website. We're going to, we're going to tell you about that in just a minute, but I think Audra has something she wants to say. No, I'm literally taking the quiz right now. <laughs> As you guys are talking, I'm like, ooh. It takes two minutes. Like it. <laughs> live, uh, some live experiences here. <laughs> I'm going to bet that Audra's a procrastinator too. Live experience. I'm the overthinker. Shocking. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. That's shocking. Okay. <laughs> Oh, that is the story of my life right there. And if my husband was here, he would be laughing so hard because I overanalyze every single thing he says. And he says, I should have been an analyst and I got my job all wrong, but it's so funny. I am just constantly, I don't, I don't call myself an overthinker. I'm more of a, um, a rethinker. Like I, Oh yeah. I rethink everything I do, just everything, every decision, every, just everything my kids do, everything. I'm just a rethinker. I'm like, oh, it's just, it's just my, it's just my jam. I feel like we can physically see the distress on your face. You see me? I'm like, oh my God. I feel feel so called out right now on this quiz. Okay. we'll record a podcast and audra will come on like 10 minutes later and be like okay so what did you think about what just was said what just said and i was just like it was said leave it alone i'm like should we should we should we edit that do we want to take that out i don't know if we should and chelsea's always like just leave it it's fine leave it it's fine i've been practicing that a little bit better i'm i'm trying really hard but oh my gosh i have such a bad time with that so i would say this quiz is very correct (laughs) that's amazing for each other too it's so funny because i'm like the opposite i'm like okay we're gonna do it and it's gonna be done and that's it like we're not even gonna rethink it at all oh my gosh it's It's just like having a moment it's so bad i blame it on my mom okay sorry mom (laughs) yeah blame it on the parents you're like it's okay my mom was fine (laughs) i love you mom but also yeah (laughs) she listens to every podcast my parents are gonna be like what the hell (laughs) she does (laughs) it's amazing oh god but hey so how do we get audra to stop overthinking oh my god 
Well, the way that I talk about overthinking is that normally the overthinker is I feel safest when other people tell me what to do. So but the funniest yeah. part about that is I literally hate being told what to do. So, <laughs> but even like what you just described was like being like, oh, should we, should we keep this or should we take that out? It's like, there's a little bit of like, like you're overthinking it, but you're also like, you might go asking other people or you just might rehearse it in your own mind or you might start Googling. Overthinkers are really Google prone. I love Google. <laughs> I love, Audra. love Google. Audra really likes the news too. I do love the news. Yes. Yeah, because over the herd love research. I'm a sucker for research. And it's funny because my my high schooler is just like me and she overanalyzes the crap out of everything and we'll send each other stuff back and forth. Oh my God. <laughs> Did you see this? Did you see this? What do you think of this? What do you think of this? And it's funny because that's like our love language. That's how we communicate. Right. It works for us, but hopefully I'm not damaging her in the long run. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe she's an overthinker too. She is an overthinker. She's yeah. beyond. Yeah. The only thing that gets overthought in our house is Marvel. That's it. What's going to happen in the MCU? That's like the constant discussion here. <laughs> you and my kids, <laughs> and that, I'm like, we thought it, it's over. Like, that's it. <laughs> Well, it's funny because it says like on the quiz, it says growing up, you may not have had a lot of independence or autonomy, but I feel like I had too much independence. Yeah. That could also happen. Yeah. So, and it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't my parents' fault. Both of their parents were really sick and died when I was young. So they were gone a lot taking care of their parents. I mean, they were doing what they had to do to survive. Yeah. And they both worked full time. I was the youngest. So I was the latchkey kid. And I don't know, that was yeah. just the way I kind of grew up was I had to be independent and I had to, you know, feed myself and do all the things. Otherwise I would have starved until my mom got home or my dad got home at five o'clock. I want to know how many people from our our generation weren't latchkey kids. Right. Yeah. We were the product of the the two income household, right? We started the two income household. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I think that makes sense. Like if you, if you were more in a position of having to think through so much, uh, it makes sense that that would still be that that self-sabotaging pattern would be present because in order for you to be safe, in order for you to get fed, in order for you to get everything done, you constantly had to be thinking things through. Constantly, constantly. Oh yeah. my gosh. That's yeah. That was basically my life in a nutshell until I was yeah 20. <laughs> I, well, I think part of it now is like, realizing that that's an outdated system an outdated pattern and that you don't have to keep up that level of overthinking and thinking things through in order for you to be okay or survive or whatever that's literally my new motto it's been for the last six months I've been saying don't overthink it to myself to my kids to my husband like that's our our motto in the house now it's like don't overthink it just do it and then I still think about it later. But <laughs> and then I'm like, Audra, turn off the TV. Just turn it off. Well, Chelsea makes turn it off. laughs at me because I send her stuff and she's like, oh my God. Like, like, I didn't I know only, anything was going on. Yeah. She's like, I only know because of you. I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> like, I didn't mean 
to know that. Thank you. Now I get to overthink it. Now I don't send you anything. Okay. <laughs> you do though. That's fine. I mean, I need some, some of it. I need it to kind of know, yeah. but like also do yeah. I really need to know? Plus I'm just nosy. That's my, my, grandma part of overthinking so audra yeah i have to know everything like i have my nose and everything i pull back i'm trying to pull back from that a little bit because i'm like and i'm over here no no cable tv don't get a newspaper maybe one. i'll look it up online if i want to yeah. <laughs> i don't want to you still have wi-fi okay <laughs> gotta have wi-fi that's like a thing but like i don't if it's not marvel i don't care Kelsey's <laughs> procrastinating on the news uh, it's a procrastinating thing. Is that it? <laughs> Josie's procrastinating on the news. Yep. Yeah, I am. I, I'm like, can you tell me the Cliff Notes version of that like 10 days from now? <laughs> yeah, tell me later. Tell me yeah. later. I don't know. Oh, the world exploded. Chelsea doesn't know yet. It's fine. For <laughs> <laughs> a pandemic, Chelsea found out a year later. No big deal. <laughs> Just living life, okay? Just living right. life. That's, that's, that's called living in fantasy land, okay? Right? Hey, man. <laughs> It's kind of nice, I'm, I'm guessing. Oh, but that's why you love us. That's why you tune into this podcast, because that's how we are. Exactly this is real Audra and Chelsea. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, so funny. Oh my gosh. So we're in this pattern of self-sabotage. What, do you have any tips or tricks to get out of it? Um, how, because I know a lot of us find comfort in our self-sabotage and we yeah. don't really realize it. Um, and I think for me... My self-sabotage is, like you said, I dwell in chaos, so I will, like, fill my life up so full that I don't even think about the things that I'm having a hard time with. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, it's fire season, and I've got a podcast and a business, and my kid just signed up for cheer, and we're planning a trip, and, like, there's just all these things going on, um, and I literally have to be, like, no to that. Like, stop. Yeah. so I think we all do it. So what would you, what would, how would you say that we prevent ourselves from doing that? Or when we, we realize that we're doing it, how do we get out of it? Right. Well, there's many different steps, I would say, or like layers or approaches, depending on how you want to go about it. Uh, and how intense the self-sabotage is slash how much you want to work on it. And um, so one of, but one of the first steps I would tell anyone is really just coming into a place of compassionate awareness of like when it's going on and try, like, even when I start working with clients, I, our first step is really like, we just need to get as much information about how this is playing out for you as possible. Uh, you know, like, when is it happening? Is it happening more in certain situations? Is it happening more in work or in personal life or in relationships and um, what happens after like how do you speak to yourself after what are the thoughts that you think when this is happening uh, just trying to get we just try and get as much information as we can so then that we can start to really pay attention to it and how it works I have noticed in working with clients that a lot of relief comes like a lot of relief comes to the self-sabotage just by paying attention just by noticing uh, and just by using it as a cue that there is that you're feeling vulnerable or you're feeling overwhelmed by something right now, then you know you can take it a step further. Like you can start to maybe map it out a little. Um, notice what self sabotage is working 
together, like what types are working together. Um, you can also just get an understanding of like, there, there are specific situations where this comes into play more for me. Uh, and then you can be more proactive and know that that could be, you know, if you see a situation coming up that tends to bring out a lot of self-sabotage, then you can plan ahead. You can practice more care there. Maybe you can give yourself more space to, to brief. So for example, like a big one for a lot of people is, you know, maybe if they have just seen their immediate family, <laughs> you know, that a lot of times that can bring up stuff, right? Because self-sabotage is formed out of a lot of those experiences. And so if someone's like, oh, I know I'm, I'm going home or I'm like going to, going to see my parents or I'm going on vacation with my si sister or something like that, then they can know like, I need to infuse a lot more care into the time I'm there before I go and after I go. Maybe I need to create space in my schedule the day before, the day after. Um, it just helps us to be able to care for ourselves in a more intentional way. Beyond that, if we want to really look at healing the self-sabotage long-term, you're going to want to look at things like healing the things like healing the inner child practicing self-compassion looking at even potentially looking at things like trauma healing all of those things really speak to more of that stuff on a root level of why is this actually happening and why has this been happening for a long time the biggest um the biggest one that can shift some of that stuff is the inner child work, you know, really looking at the younger parts of you and, and fears and stuff that they might still be holding on to that are being projected into your present. And so even the example we were talking about earlier with you, Audra, like if you had to think through everything when you were younger and um, working with that inner child and saying like, you don't have to think so, we don't have to think through things so hard now and, and doing a lot more care and reparenting will actually bring a lot of relief to the self-sabotage because if we can heal the inner child then the self-sabotage doesn't have to work so hard hmm. um i love that and so, yeah. That's, yeah that's fascinating right. okay this is a lot <laughs> a lot to think about um we're gonna switch yeah. gears i think okay. i think we're ready we're ready to do the hot seat um mm -hmm. are you ready Okay, we're we're gonna we're gonna life coach you here, Ashley. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> if you could live anywhere, where would it be? Greece. Greece. Oh my gosh! Wait, have you been? No. You just want to go? No, it's on my bucket list. I've been to Turkey, but no Greece. Oh, Turkey's on fire right now. It's so sad. Um. Okay. What's your favorite book to read? <sighs> Um, I maybe don't have a specific book, but I really love uh, criminal or historical fiction. Do you listen to podcasts? No. Okay. What <laughs> would you change about yourself if you could? That I would be instantly better at money and managing money. Oh my gosh. Amen, sister. I'm the worst. <laughs> I am the worst. Yeah, what you. what motivates you to work hard? Mm, seeing the impact on people. Yeah, I bet you have a pretty fulfilling job. I mean, it yeah. sounds it sounds amazing. Um, who is your hero? Mm, 
My hero. Um, I don't know if I have a specific hero. Okay. I'm going to have one person that comes to mind, but maybe I would just say anyone who decides that they want to shift the generational patterns in their family. Ooh, that's, that's juicy. I love that. Um, okay. What would you sing at karaoke night? Oh, I love to sing Girl on Fire by Alicia Keys. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. I love that. What is one thing you would tell your younger self? Mm, I see you and you are important. Okay. I love that. I love all of that. Hot I love that everything. What's happening? Okay, <laughs> Ashley, we want to thank you so much for being with us today and having this wonderful conversation. If our listeners would like to learn more about Ashley and her work, you can visit her website at ashleybowden.com. That's Bowden spelled B-A-U-D-I-N. Or you can find her on Insta at ashley.bowden. Yes. See you there. Take the quiz. It's so good. You'll have lots <laughs> to think about, I think. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Ashley. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Find us on social media at Dear Chiefs Podcast and online at dearchiefs.com. Tune in weekly for the 25,000-foot view of loving a first responder. Audra and Chelsea, over and out. (laughs) 